why is it funny and cool when he does it? Yeah. And yet when I do it, it's like, ooh, you're corrupting the youth. Well, either we're both corrupting the youth or we're both funny and cool. Hello, welcome to Statement Mondays, where we explore how different women harness their identities at work. I'm your host, Natalie Munster, and if you need a reason to be bold today, here it is. Today is Statement Monday. Today, I have the absolute honor of introducing you, my listeners, to my high school English teacher, Nicole Mueller. I want you to think back to all the teachers you've had and think which one has made the biggest difference in your life. For me, that's Nicole Mueller, or Miss Mueller as I know her. She's currently a high school English teacher in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I grew up, and she just finished her Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing for Children and Young Adults. She is a powerhouse, so buckle in, and I hope you get as fired up as I did by her ideas on morphing her identity to do her job well and on gender bias in education. And I'll be here after the interview, and we can chat a little bit about our conversation. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed. I'd like to start off if you could please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Nicole Mueller. I am an educator. I have been in the teaching profession in a variety of venues since, really, quite frankly, since 1992. I've done everything from teach creative dramatics classes to small children to working with community development and family education in Habitat for Humanity in Bolivia and Paraguay. I worked with family health education in a small nonprofit in the Philippines, and I have taught at the high school level in Southwest Georgia and in Milwaukee. And I've been at everything from very wealthy private to very rural private to urban, urban alternative and now suburban schools. So I've got a large gamut. And I also taught step aerobics, which, well, that was interesting. But so I've been an educator here in Milwaukee since yeah, probably about 17 years, which is when I got my certification and went back into teaching after taking some time off to be home with my kids. Wow. Thank you very much. I don't think I really knew a lot of your earliest teaching experience. What would you say is your public identity? So I probably have two very distinct public identities. One is the one that I craft in the classroom with my students. And then one is the one that I have, um, as a teacher in my building. Um, Of the two, I would say that the one that I have with my students is much more authentic. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, I definitely, it's a persona. I mean, it's a persona that I've cultivated. I make lots of jokes. I make lots of jokes at my own expense occasionally. Um, It is sort of this very over-the-top personality insofar that even when I have students who then meet me after they've graduated for a while, they're like, you know, you're a lot quieter than I thought you would be. Uh, But in part, that's because the classroom is a dynamic place and it needs a certain amount of of energy and life to keep it going. And I demand a great deal from my students. I mean, I expect them, not in terms of the quantity of their work, but in terms of what I want them to do as thinkers, you know, what I expect them to be able to do in terms of, of critical thinking that I will put, in fact, I just got off a phone, a Zoom call with my freshman where we were talking about Rousseau and Locke in terms of Frankenstein. Frank, oh God, now you made me do it. (laughs) Darn you, Natalie. Um, But I mean, I'm asking them, we're talking about the tabula rasa. And do you think that human beings are this blank slate and we are really crafted through our influences in life? And if so, what is our responsibility as a society? I mean, that's heady stuff for some freshmen. 
but I think it's the important kind of thinking. And I know that the feedback that I get from my students is that's what's been valuable to them. Mm. So if you ask a lot of the student, you have to be prepared to give them something. I find that the humor and the over-the-top personality um, makes me approachable in a way that if I weren't doing that, I would be and I'm still told that I'm intimidating, but I'm less intimidating if I, you know, I'm wielding a lightsaber during my class. So it makes me a little bit more approachable so that when I'm asking them to be confronting these difficult tasks, they don't feel quite so alone and they don't feel like it's quite so daunting. And I do, I mean, I hold them to standards. I expect them to do good work and I don't sugarcoat. I'm not cruel when I give my feedback, but I'm certainly not going to spend a lot of time telling somebody all of these things are good when the fact of the matter is, is that there are places for growth. And even when I turn my feedback into something that's it's targeted places for growth, um, for us as human beings, it's often hard to hear that because it, it affects our sense of we want things to be done well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, something that's neutral or saying you need to grow, that can be taken as a negative. So a lot of my student persona is really cultivated toward this idea that I want to create a relationship with my students in which they find me accessible and human and at the same time um, fair. I think it's very important that they see me as fair and I think it's very important that they see me as honest. So if if I make a mistake, I'm not afraid to admit that because the, the, the alternative would be pretending that I'm perfect and then the students lose their trust in me. Um, or if something applies to me, I will share personal details. If I'm asking them to share a personal story, I'll do it too, because that kind of honesty is important. Mm. So to me, that persona in my classroom is something that I'm able to successfully do, and I'm comfortable with it. I will be honest, I my professional persona is something that I really struggle with. And so this is you and me being interviewed. I will tell you, Natalie, that it is not... And this is going to sound so arrogant, and I really hope that you don't take this as arrogance, but I'm smart, okay? I mean, I did a master's degree at the University of Chicago in international relations, and I drew on sociology and political philosophy, anthropology, and a little econ. I'm not, I have a brain that moves very quickly and picks up on a lot of things and enjoys immersing itself in things, and I'm quick to process stuff. If I were in a different setting, that might be easier. Mm-hmm. It is not easy to be me and my brain in a high school. I got up and I gave a presentation once and the teacher immediately following me got up and made a comment about my 50 cent vocabulary, <sighs> which is like, exactly. Yeah. Um, so there are times when being smart does not, work to your advantage. And it's it's silly because it doesn't make me any better than anybody else. I'm not necessarily a better teacher just because I have a, a wide body of knowledge. In fact, sometimes I'm a worse teacher because I move too quickly for my kids. And I'm very aware of that. But it's unfortunate because I think some people see it as a threat or they're just not interested in it. I don't want to I don't want to project on them. I just know that it's harder for me to create relationships as opposed to I'm in a grad school program right now, and I i mean, I totally and have a great time at this program because when I'm in class and I'm talking with people, my, my intellect or my brain is not a deficit. 
So it's hard. The, the, any teacher will tell you this. The kids, not a problem. The adults you work with, that's where the challenge comes in. And so I, what, I, what I'm getting to is that I think that my public persona sometimes is a little, is much more stiff and much more defensive than I would like it to be because it's rare that I feel, I mean, this may not be what you wanted to hear, but it really is rare that I kind of feel respect for the things that I do well. And I am not, this is also part of my persona. I don't suck up to people. Mm -hmm. Either you like me for what I am or you don't. I will treat you with respect. I will be polite. Everybody who I meet has talents and skills and gifts. And I respect that in a human being, but don't expect me to kiss your ass because I'm not going to just, not just for, I don't want to humiliate myself, but I'm also not going to incline at some person's altar and say that other people don't have valuable gifts as well. I'm not going to do that. So, and that's one of the reasons why I honestly have respected you so much. (laughs) Truly you have, you have inspired me with that spirit throughout my entire high school and beyond. That's why I'm interviewing you you today. (laughs) Um, But I guess, so, you know, part of my identity is that I'm not good at projecting an identity that's not a part of me. And mm-hmm. I do believe that, I mean, I, this is what makes me a teacher. Each and every one of us has merit as a human being and deserves to be treated with respect to that. And I have a hard time pretending something that's not true. I have no problem with being kind to people or being supportive, even if I'm not feeling it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also valuable. But at the end of the day, if you're asking me to lie about something simply to perpetuate what I think is in particular, if you want me to perpetuate what I think is an unfair system of power, I'm not going to do it. And I have to live with those consequences. And for the most part, I I can't. Yeah. So that would be, but my reputation. So my reputation is depending on whether you like me or not, either I'm stubborn and truculent and have a brain that nobody wants to think about, or that I'm committed and I'm passionate and, um, if you give me the opportunity to collaborate with a mind that is willing to collaborate with me, it's just a wonderful experience. And I would point to my relationship with one other teacher Mm. because my teaching with her, I never once felt any of that. And I feel like I was at my best when I was teaching with her, just that, that opportunity to have another brain to spark ideas off of. And I'm a much more relaxed person when that, that comes in. I think that I've become defensive a lot over the years. So then would you also say that part of your identity is your authenticity? I mean, maybe authenticity isn't the right way of saying it, but kind of in what you were saying, you don't suck up to people. You put it all out there. You don't, you're not making things up. Well, and you know, so now we're talking about women. Um, Wouldn't that be prized in a guy? I think about how many guys I know, all right, one who calls people and people love him for it. Um, He's called people out on things in department meetings all the time. I sometimes do the same thing. In fact, we had a conversation. So I have this problem with descriptive language in my class. <laughs> I do it occasionally. Um, and somebody walked, somebody once said, oh my God, if the administrator hears you saying that, they're going to fire you. And I'm like, but the male teacher says this stuff all the time, doesn't wow. he? And he's a guy. Why is it funny and cool when he does it? Yeah. And yet when I do it, it's like, ooh, you're corrupting the youth. Well, either we're both corrupting the youth or we're both funny and cool. 
So part of it, Natalie, is that I have also, you don't get to treat me differently because I'm a woman and I have been treated differently and I'm not going to back off on that. And it's not so much just even for me at this point, I have daughters mm-hmm. and I teach women and I'll be damned if I'm going to continue in a system that expects me to sort of step behind the guys who aren't as smart as I am or who aren't as capable as I am just because they're guys. That if, if, if there's anything that I can do to put a nail in the coffin of that system, I will. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's so much passion here. I mean, I hear everything that you're saying. I'm trying to figure out how it's even possible to stand up for yourself in that environment. And I guess the way that you're doing it is by calling out these differences in how women and men in the education system are perceived when they do similar actions but are are considered differently. Well, and so your next question is is talking about bringing my whole self to work. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's the biggest part of it is that I one of the ways that I've always felt, and this has been both a positive and a negative, um, and I think I think you'll find women of my generation would say this, you know, we've always felt that you have to do 150% in order to be looked at similar to the guys who are doing 75%. Mm-hmm. But so when I teach, and this is why I'm a reflective teacher, there's really no point in pretending that you're always perfect because you never will be. But when I teach it is my job to go into that classroom and to do the best that I can for those students. So do I bring my whole self? There is not a single thing that happens in my work job that is not somehow or another influenced by my personal beliefs, be they about justice, about cognition, about what's important for the human mind. It's there because that's the other way that I can, you know, for me, that's the other way to successfully take a stand at these things. I can yell, not always going to work, or I can outteach the hell out of them. And that's and 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 I can let my students see that it is possible to be a woman and be intellectual and have a persona and not have to and, and talk about and be treated like a human being first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Not I'm, you know, Nicole Mueller, who's the mom and the, all this, but I'm Nicole Mueller, who's this person. And I'm enriched by having been a mother and a wife and a daughter and a bike rider and a gardener and all of these things. And I, to me, that's the most important thing in the classroom. And you're a baker. We know that you've brought that to class as well. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, I have. And then, and earlier you were saying how you've curated your humor in your classroom in order to basically set the stage of vulnerability. But um, is that your personality? Would you say, or is that like almost a not a performance, but something that you've curated especially for the classroom? Is that how you are outside of the classroom ever? Well, okay, two things. Outside of the classroom, I'm a huge introvert. I uh. I mean, yeah, right now, I'm doing just fine. You give me my books, you give me my garden. <laughs> I get to say hi to my family occasionally. I am I would like to ride my bike, but you know, I because I'm I'm by nature a very quiet person. Mm-hmm. I actually think it has more to do once again with 
let me put it this way. So like when I make, um, when I make typos, which God knows I make all the time, you know, I give kids chocolate when they find them (laughs) or, you know, I'm not afraid to admit to some of those mistakes. Um, that's actually true. I hate having to admit when I've messed up on something, but it's better to do that and to learn and to move on than to have to live with like hunkering down and refusing to look at it. And then you suffer and everybody else around you suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, so do I kind of play it up? Yes, I do. But is it something that is inherently true to what I think? Um, yes, it is. Hmm. Do you still have my do not fail stamp? Does that I live on? I still have your do not fail stamp. I still have the sign that you have, wrote for me that said there's a difference between simplicity and stupidity dash Miss Mueller comma freaking out. Oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> there's your legacy. There's my legacy. Yes. All right, time for a quick pause. Nicole has brought up some really loaded points on a few things. Double standards, curating an identity for her job, and for her students, really, and also what it means to be a woman who is smart. We'll dive into these a bit more after the interview. Up next, we have a segment I do with every guest with a few quicker questions, including the last one, which asks what her heels are. High heels here is a metaphor for her confidence booster, a piece of herself, or a tool for individuality. Keep listening for her answer to this question, as well as comments about the rewards, or lack thereof, of being a teacher, and going back to finish something she walked out on many years ago. Tell me about a moment that you felt invincible at work and what, why, what empowered you? The things that make me invincible are not necessarily even how other people look at me, but mm-hmm. when I know I've nailed it. Yes. When I wow. know that, I mean, when I walk out of a class, especially when I walk out of a class where I have students for whom education is a huge challenge, it's a barrier, and I know that they've made a connection that day, mm-hmm. that's what empowers me. Um, when I, my national boards, when I got that, that was just because that was me. That was my unvarnished work that I earned. That empowers me. When I know that I have done something and I have earned it legitimately and it is, effective in either showcasing a skill that I have that I've wanted to showcase or in my kids. I mean, this is sounds schmaltzy, Natalie, but you empower me. Every time I look at a student who for some reason, whatever reason, they've been able to say that they have a success in the world and it's because I helped them understand something, that's empowering. And it's not empowering because they're gratifying me. I mean, that's nice, but I did something that helped somebody else become the better person that they want to be. That is empowering. And like I said, that doesn't always show up in terms of what other people say. In fact, as a teacher, it really doesn't show up because, you know, unless you have a TV show after you, a lot of times nobody sees what you do, uh, the good stuff that you do. But that's what's empowering is knowing that I've done something and I did it well and it did good for other people. Mm -hmm. That's, That's it. And so it's not, it sounds like it's not necessarily the external validation from, you know, people around your coworkers, but it also, it also sounds like it's delayed. You don't necessarily get that moment of empowerment until, you know, five years later. (laughs) Well, in every career that I've had, I mean, when I worked with Habitat for Humanity, you know, when I worked in Paraguay and I did Project Startup, so I was the first 
habitat person working in Paraguay and I was helping them build their committee. And by the time I left, they barely, because it's forever, you know, bureaucracies are like that. Mm -hmm. They barely settled on where they were going to be building. There are 7,000 houses there the last time that I checked. So there are 7,000 families that have benefited because of the solid work that I did on that, you know, affiliate. And nobody's ever going to come and give me, you know, a prize. Mm. And I don't care because Mm -hmm. the prize is is that I know that there are 7,000 kids and family groups out there that have a better place to sleep. Mm -hmm. And, but you're right. It's very much so you have to be sort of, I don't know, you have to be very self-contained and you just have to kind of be okay because, yeah, there's there's no teacher Oscars. Sadly, there is no award saying you did a really good job, so you get a box of chocolate every month for the rest of your life, which would be nice, but <laughs> that not healthy. Nice. But no, nice. not healthy. That is true. <laughs> yeah. So, what is a life motto of yours? Do you have any life mottos? <laughs> okay, I don't know that I do. Although a couple of years ago, I saw the Winnie the Pooh meme going around where Piglet says to Pooh, what are we going to do today? And Pooh says back to Piglet, today's the day where we burn this motherfucker to the ground. Um, (laughs) That one, I I really like. That that sounds very you. I have two tattoos, by the way. This one. So that's a lotus. And Mm. when I graduate from grad school this summer, I'm going to get a phoenix on the other ankle. Because... Both of them, so the lotus, you know, is representative of growing beauty from the muck and beauty above chaos mm-hmm. because lotuses, their roots are way down, but the flower floats in the top and all the crap in the river floats underneath them. Mm-hmm. And phoenixes are all wow. about, you know, rising from your ashes. Yeah. Well, the phoenix is also the motto of the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but back in 1995, I walked out of there. I was so unhappy with my advisor and I was so frustrated with it um, because it really was, Chicago was very competitive and it was brutal and I was just angry and my advisor did not help me at all. Mm-hmm. And so I walked out and I said, screw this. I didn't finish my thesis and it just hung over me and it just hung over me. And finally, I had small kids. We were home from Bolivia. And I drove down there and I walked into the office and I said, I would like to finish my thesis. And they said, that doesn't happen often, but okay. And I changed jobs, had a small children, and I wrote my thesis. And I went back and I graduated and I finished it. You know, there you go. That would, I guess, be my life motto. Don't ever leave anything unfinished and it ain't over till it's over. And it's always worth going back and trying harder. Wow. And now I'm in graduate school getting a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing for Children and Young Adults, which is what I had originally wanted to do a long time ago, is write books for kids. And I had a complete crisis of confidence when I was in undergrad and didn't apply. And now I decided, Mm. you know what, it's time to do it. And so I'll be, like I said, I'm I'm graduating this summer. I'm finishing up a novel that I wrote about a girl pirate. And uh, I'd love to read it. And I so applaud you for going back and working on your graduate school. So congratulations. So you should know that my novel actually, um, so it started when my daughter Fiona said, you know, I'm so tired of reading about pirate kings. Why isn't there a pirate queen? Mm. I said, I can write that. What it's evolved into now is 
the story of this girl before she becomes her pirate queen. But one of the things that I've been steadfastly doing in this piece is never does anybody refer to any of these girls as being girly. They are Mm -hmm. evaluated on who they are and they live in a society where people treat them as, as who they are. And because I did not want to write one more novel. And I know that this is an important thing to discuss for girls, but I did not want to write one more novel in which young girls are having it held up to their face that there's a whole world of people who are going to look at you and tell you, you can't do it because you're a girl. Hmm. I wanted a novel that simply screams, you can do it. Yeah. Wow. And you're a girl. (laughs) What's it called? Um, it has no name right now, Ooh. but my main character's name is Gertrude. I love it. Well, I would like a signed copy. I will go out and buy it and fly to Milwaukee and have coffee with you so you can sign it for me. I <laughs> Let me know. To. Perfect. So what five words would current coworkers use to describe you or students either? Um, this is, a, I, don't, I don't know that I can answer this question. Mm. I am not good at this question. I am not good at, you know, part of the downside of being where I am is that I demand a lot from myself, probably too much at times. And that's just being honest. And so I'm really not good at assessing myself. You mm-hmm. know, for me, something's always lacking. Something's always missing. So I don't know. I would hope that my colleagues would describe me as hardworking. Um, I know that one at least would describe me as a generous colleague. And I would say there are a lot of people who would probably say uncompromising, some of them in a good way, some of them in not a good way. And you're smart. Thank you. And my students would just say I'm insane. Although, you know, I have, it's funny, I do have kids that it's nice when you can make a connection where somebody else hasn't. Mm. And oddly enough, the students who I often connect well with are um, low-income students. Because um, I, I grew up in a low-income family mm-hmm. and with a single mom, and I lived and worked for a long time in urban settings, and so there is something that I I can connect with in my students. Mm-hmm. So I think some of my students would say that I'm real. There you go. I really like that. So final thing in one word or phrase, what are your heels? Which is my metaphor for what makes you badass. What what do you bring that is your identity um i don't take no for an answer even from myself there you go i like that thank you so much for talking with me you're such a spirited person and it's it really is so inspiring and and you can tell that you do bring your entire you bring your like battalion to work <laughs> not <laughs> like just your that. whole self thank you so much absolutely Natalie, I. I really am excited for you. I hope that this turns out beautifully. (laughs) That was Nicole Mueller. Oh my gosh, she blows me away. Miss Mueller, so I I still can't get used to calling her Nicole after having been her student, Um, but she is the strongest woman that I personally know, the most strong-willed, the most vocal about her opinions, and the most fearless when it comes to taking a stance. One of my favorite parts of this interview was when she said, you know what, Natalie, I'm smart. I keep running these two words over and over in my head and think, hmm, what are my words like that? And also, what's holding me back from being able to say them with the confidence and certainty that she does? 
I think it's so important to know your strengths and your assets, but also to voice them. If you can identify them and say them in your head, you're making yourself stronger. And if you can say them to someone else, that's advocating for yourself. Nicole strikes a really difficult balance of advocating for herself while still being honest and likable. That's really tough. And let's not forget that she also talks about the disadvantages of being a smart woman. Why does that exist? In her example, she mentions someone else commented on her really great vocabulary just to put her down and make themselves feel superior in that setting. That is so ridiculous to me. And this type of thing happens often to women. There is such a double standard in so many places, first of all. So many places in so many different industries. But in her case, with swearing in class, that was a great example. And unfortunately, depending on your job and your hierarchy even, a kind of double standard can affect your work and your growth. And I think it's important to be able to recognize those instances and not let people get away with that. And one final thing. Like I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, Nicole Mueller is the best teacher I've ever had. And listening to her talk about the way she curates her identity in the classroom really illuminates how much of her soul she pours into teaching and into creating this persona to serve her goal of having a real and a lasting and a huge impression on these kids, on her students. I think that's so commendable. And she's an introvert at heart. What? So to wrap it up, if you're feeling particularly grateful for a teacher you've had in the past, send them a thank you. And in case you're wondering, yes, I am sending Nicole a box of chocolates every month for a year. Thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, hit that follow or subscribe button. And even more awesome would be to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super helpful to me as I get this podcast going. I am super excited about this, and I really hope that you are as well. Anyway, I really appreciate it. And remember, be bold. Today is Statement Monday. I'm Natalie Munster, and my two interns are Mallory Pilon and Lauren Barbalescu. You can learn more about me and Statement Mondays at statementmondays.com or follow us on Instagram at statementmondays. I'd love to hear what you think and how you have been bold lately, so please get in touch. And of course, I'll see you next Monday. Bye.